0: Hello, and welcome to Eyes and Vibes, the soccer podcast where we talk everything USMNT and sometimes more. I'm your host, Trevor Hickman, alongside my co host and friend, Blake Woody. And today we come to you with a USMNT World Cup recap. But we've brought in reinforcements to help us tell that story. We're thrilled to welcome Adam from USMNT Stan on Twitter to the pod to help us put a bow on this tournament for the U.S. Welcome to the show, Adam. Hey, Trevor, really good to be here, man. I'm
1: uh, excited. I feel like I've been in, um, you you know, kind of like, uh, it's it's like a morning period, soccer morning period, for the last (laughs) couple of days, you know, you're like, you like check Twitter and you see where everybody's opinions are at, but really it's just kind of like, there's no game coming up, you know, and uh-huh. it's like, we're on the eve of Friday and it's like, we should be playing
0: tomorrow at 10 AM. Like, <laughs> damn! but uh, it was a good run though. Hey, exactly. Yeah. That's uh, let's, let's, you know, focus on the positives. It was a that, good run. Um, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, you're right. This is kind of a, a, a lull period right now. Um, Saying that though, I, I'm interested to see how the Netherlands does tomorrow. I have a feeling that they're going to have uh, a, a tough test ahead of them. So, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah. So, anyways, um, first off, we kind of want to learn a little bit about you, about your Twitter page, and uh, so just tell us a little bit about when you first started following USMT and uh, what what prompted the Stan account creation. Oh man, USMT. So I'm. 39 now
1: yeah 39 so uh 94 man i was in uh like third fourth grade fourth grade i guess end of fourth grade you know played soccer as a, as a kid like most of us did and um you know the world cup was in the u.s and uh that was yeah. my first exposure to it i remember watching you know lawless and jones and you know all those dudes and i was a i was a keeper so tony miola yeah Tried out mm-hmm. for the Jets maybe a year or two later, and that made the new like Miola was my guy, so you know that's that's why he's my avatar because he's just always been my guy. <laughs> um, so I you know, that was I always tell people like that was my intro, right? Like 98 did not much to like you know increase my fandom, just being honest. And then like oh two, um, you know, I b- big sports guy, you know, I had a dream of being a sports broadcaster when I was younger, and so I read every magazine you could get your hand on every, you know, at that point in time, the internet wasn't, you know, popping, but ESPN.com, like I was, you know, a junkie. Yeah. And I really, I really, that O2 team really caught my fascination. You know, it was, it was, you know, young Landon. And it was like this young era of players. And then this like aging era of players. And it was a really cool mixture of really quality um, older guys, right? Like Raina um, and a few others. And then you had young guys like Landon. Um, you know, Dems wasn't there yet, but, uh, you know, they had a few other awesome dudes. So that was the big one though. We, we had three, a 3am 3 party at my house, watching Portugal, you know, waking our whole neighborhood <laughs> up you know, for those three early quick goals. And, and that's the one man And watching the Germany game. I remember like right before we were all late to our graduation rehearsal. Cause we were all watching that Germany game together. And we all like showed up 30 minutes late to our graduation rehearsal. So that was the one that hooked me. And then I think 2010 is really the one that got me obsessed, you know, just mm-hmm. that experience in 2010. And, and honestly, the exposure of more soccer, I feel like 2010 is when soccer just started being on TV more, you know, like I remember after O two, like I, I paid for sky sports on direct TV, you know, <laughs> it's like really expensive just to watch the premier league, you know, and, uh, and try and start following dudes. But that was kind of my journey, and then um, you know, twenty ten on, it was trying to find the community. I, I wasn't a big soccer guy, you know, like the 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 big soccer um, on on. I don't know if it's Reddit or or the bo- like the boards. No, I know what you're
0: talking about. Yeah, I was yeah. never
1: a boards guy. I don't know if I just didn't find that or what. So I was always just trying to you know kind of find a community for myself because I'm a I'm a you know, lifelong basketball guy coach. And most of my friends are basketball guys and not many are intense soccer fans. So Mm -hmm. it was cool when Twitter really started getting big and USMNT Twitter started getting big, you know, especially after last world cup, I feel like there was kind of a a tipping point on Twitter and my normal handle just started becoming soccer infiltrated to the point that I was a, you know, professional basketball, basketball college basketball coach for a long time that all the basketball stuff was getting lost. And I was like, you know what? I just need to create an account that's just soccer. And so I created this, you know, stand U S M T account with no real intention of anything. And, uh, we just, I just kind of found a community. I feel like a lot of people did right at that same time. It was like COVID time. Yeah. Yeah. I was in their house where, you know, those, the soccer, but it was really like the only thing on for a couple months. It felt like sports wise. And all of a sudden I, you know, I feel like things just kind of went down, you know, started, started moving downhill and it's been mm-hmm. fun, man. I think i started the account a couple of years back now and, um, it's been fun to like grow the community together and see the community growing together, and just be able to meet awesome people. I've been on a lot of you know, YouTube's and podcasts like this, and there's just so many awesome people. And I feel like so many times USMT Twitter gets a bad rap, right? It's like, oh, the mm-hmm. toxicity and, the, and like I'm not gonna say that doesn't exist on it. There's not some people who are super negative, but there's so much positive, man. Like, the, it's 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 made following soccer way more fun for me, and it's given me personally a community um that are like-minded which is hard to find for a lot of us in the states you know
0: oh yeah no i i totally agree and uh i, I think you know when you were talking about how you talk about the usmnt community i was kind of smiling in the background because i was thinking to myself you know i so i played college basketball myself um in the uk but i uh i was kind of part of the basketball crowd as well for the most part and um yeah, th- there just weren't those people where I could wake up on a Saturday and see 10 lineups where you're going to find 10 Americans starting or on the bench and people that just care about that kind of stuff. And and that I feel like is is what USMNT Twitter uh, brings and allows people to have is that excitement and that group that, that also loves it and is as freakishly fanatic as <laughs> we all are. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I grew up arguing sports with my friends every
1: day, you know, and like arguing sports didn't mean you were a bad person when you disagreed or
0: that I hated yeah, you. Exactly. And
1: I feel like on yeah. Twitter, that's like, it just goes that way, right? Yeah. Like, people <laughs> on, oh, I like Burholz, or I hate Berholtz or you're a, <laughs> yeah. at your core, you're a bad human. And it's like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, exactly. 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 Like, can we just have different <laughs> opinions about sports guys? You know, like that's literally, I mean, every day in my life, you know, my best friends would just argue sports and scream at each other and then you know go outside and play some hoops and we're totally fine, you know. So
0: yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So yeah, I mean, uh, no, that's that's super cool. Um and I think that uh that's you know that's how a lot of people started their sort of pages. Um but but yeah uh, we, we all care about this sort of thing and I think that's a perfect segue into let's talk about what we all care about and that's how the usmnt did this world cup. so the first question that i have and uh, we're going to start with you adam just kind of get your your sense on things is uh, who are your biggest movers in this world cup for the us? can be good or bad. yeah, you know, i think
1: i think timmy Way's performances in world cup qualifying were a little bit hidden kind of on the world stage. i don't mm-hmm. think people are noticing it worldwide and i think there's almost no way That people didn't take notice of what he's doing and what he has been doing for the national team. Right. And I think national team soccer is really interesting because it gives players like him um, a chance to showcase themselves in a different way. Right. If If your club situation isn't really allowing you to showcase fully what you do, which I don't think Leo has. Right. I think some of its injury, some of its, you know, the role that he's played, he just hasn't been given a ton of freedom. But with you, the USMNT has become like a core guy, so he's the big one for me. I, I think there's no way that the clubs aren't looking at what he looks like in our system and aren't like, give me some of that. Like, I, I we need that. We need a dynamic winger as a playmaker and good on the ball and all the stuff he does. Right. So I mean, mm-hmm. he's my number one, and then I think you know my my number two, just in terms of like world soccer in terms of mover is Yunus Musa. Right. I, mm-hmm. I think that yep. he's a big name. Everybody's I think has has had their eye on him. But once again, I think a lot of high-level teams, I think that World Cup is going to solidify. for. If they were in between, like, uh, can he help us right now? Is he a couple years away? I think there's going to be some clubs that are like, okay, we're ready to pull the trigger, right? This guy can clearly do it. He showed it against England. He showed it against some of the best players in the world. So let's go get him.
0: Yeah. No, those are both good. Blake, what about you, man?
2: Yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? And uh, yeah, Adam, I completely agree with you on yours. I think Yunus Musa was the first guy who came to my mind, but um, I'll go with two others. Um, first other guy that comes to my mind is Serginho Dest. I thought he had a really good World Cup. And mm-hmm. guys, you know, I think we know what Sergio Dest can bring going forward. I think we've all known that for a while. Uh, but I was impressed with how he did on the defensive side as well. I thought he did a good job tracking back and uh, making some key breakups in a lot of the games, especially against Wales. And yeah, I know, I know a lot of the time it might have been sort of his own fault for being a little bit too far forward. But still, I was impressed in that. And of course, his game against Iran, I think, was his best. And I think he had a very positive game against the Netherlands as well. And so I was very impressed with him and I hope he gets a little more playing time and an and opportunity at uh, AC Milan going forward. And I will actually, my other guy, I will stick with the fullbacks and go Jedi Robinson. Yeah, I know we were, uh, on you took yep, mine. Yep. Sorry, man. Oh no, you're good. That's smart. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I know we were just talking about Twitter and, uh, you know, I saw there were some debate a little bit as to uh people whether they liked what jedi was doing on the field or not i know uh there's some problems with keeping possession and the touches and everything but man i just love his energy and his pace i just think it's phenomenal uh just watching him gallop up and down the pitch i mean there's just so much potential there guys and you know just watching his reactions too i know that's sort of off topic but uh you know, he seems like he just really cares about being in that U.S. shirt. And I love that, too. And, yeah, I guess we're already seeing rumors about him making a big move to Italy or something. So mm-hmm. we'll see uh, how yep. that ends up playing out. But those are two guys that really
0: impressed me. Yeah, no, those are those are both really good. Um, and, yeah, you know, I, I think there are some people that seem a little divided on Jedi's World Cup. Um but I, I think I saw more net positives than negatives with him, definitely. So mm-hmm. I thought he was really good. Um, the two that I will submit, the first one is uh, I thought Weston McKenney had a really good tournament. And, and I'll tell you what, I, I was a little bit concerned about him ahead of time based on uh, the Allegri uh, limbo that he was effectively in um, with his club. Where there was just no creativity, not just by him, but by everyone in that club, uh, in the midfield, and I, I was worried that that was going to manifest itself on the big stage. And I, uh, you know, I, I do, I do kind of chuckle when I bring up Wes because uh, I, I put up, uh, <laughs> I put up a 2026 prediction the other day for who was going to be in our midfield and I left West as a last four in and his dad saw it and basically gave me a telling off for it so I, you know I got to get back in West's good graces here he had a great tournament and uh you know I I I admit that I may have I may have been a little bit premature with my four year prediction and keeping him out so uh Weston or Weston's dad if you're listening I'm I'm sorry <laughs> Hey, John! <laughs> out I think here, it's John McKenney, right? Yep, it was John, John McKenney's right? like yep. everywhere
1: on Twitter, man. Like he'll, he'll, you, you, you leave, you leave West out of a roster. John McKenney will find you, punch <laughs> you did. down. John McKinney's the best. <laughs> man. Yeah, loves he his son, amazing. man. He's just <laughs> out there loving his son. Yeah, man. yeah. Hey, Not doing him. it on a burner, which I respect him for. You know? exactly, exactly. <laughs>
0: it's out there on burners. Yeah, you got you got to love it. You got to love it. And then mm-hmm. the other one I'm going to bring up is uh, I'm going to bring up a player that I thought uh, is near and dear to Blake's heart. Um, but I, I thought he had a great tournament. And that is Matt Turner. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that he was a guy that we knew was solid. But I, I think that even through all of the uncertainties he has been a pretty much surefire certainty as a player and in a goalkeeper position that is so critical that's such an important position you have to feel like the guy in there has his head screwed on right and I felt that way this tournament with Matt Turner so much so that I'm not content with him sitting on the bench at Arsenal for much longer maybe you feel different Adam but I think that it's time for him to get a chance with a lower tier uh, prem club to start yeah. games, whether on a loan or just permanently.
1: I'm always for guys playing. I think that, you know, the one thing I will I will say about the situation he's in right now is I, I, I've seen real strides in his game. Like the way he was handling the ball. And just the confidence he had. I mean, he had like a he had one of those kind of like you know half half field outlet punts, like right to feet. You know, he obviously had you know an an awesome outlet ball to Wea on the goal against Iran. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was I don't know possessing and like pinging balls back there, man. And like it's it's something that we just that was the weakness, you know. And I I think he's always been better with his feet than people. Claim, right? That's usually the case, right? People Mm -hmm. are like, he can't even, and like obviously he can. He was a little inconsistent. So I love that. I whatever they're doing with him, it's working, right? And I think he's gaining confidence as a player. We always know what his shot stopping is going to be. But yeah, I think at some point, you know, you you want to get, you know, it's it's the it's the Zach Steffen story, right? Like, how many years is too many years sitting on a bench at a really good club trying to grow in ways that maybe you need to, but you know, at what point do you actually need game time? So kind of with you I'm, I'm okay i think maybe with this year but i'd love to see him you know get somewhere after this year and then blake you mentioned mentioned jedi and you know i was i was like you know a, a critic of jedi on a couple moments but he had a great tourney right like you can't mm-hmm. you really i don't know if you're looking at those games objectively I, I get some people just don't like jedi like we know what he is right when mm-hmm. he makes a bad touch on a 17 pass sequence <laughs> <laughs> into his yeah. speed it's to always going to be frustrating for us right but you got to respect the heck out of what he does defensively and the way he gets up and down the field and the way his, his energy and speed just you know you know bring something to the game that we need and that really really helps us, you know. So I'm not gonna say he's a perfect player, but he was awesome. I think you guys nailed it though, man. I think those were the guys to me, you know, I maybe we left off Josh Josh Sargent. I think Sargent's Iran game specifically is one that, you know, really highlighted some of the things in his game that he does well. So, I mean, you know, I might, might throw him on there, too. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, Timmy Rehm, if Timmy Rehm was 26, I'd be super yeah. pumped. he be, be at Man serious. City. Well, he'd like, be at Man City. City. 26, yeah, yeah like Pep <laughs> would take him. if he, was yeah. really like, uh, he would solve the center back issue for the next cycle. So, uh, but no, he, he was awesome, man. You got to respect what Rehm brought to us at, at the ripe old age of, I don't know.
0: 48 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly yeah so no i totally agree i think those were um th- those were the the movers and i think they were all pretty positive movers i, I didn't you know I, if i really wanted to i'm sure i could come up with a negative but i i don't I, i'm not going to and I, and I don't think i i saw much in terms of if there were people that significantly moved it was really in more of a positive direction hmm. Um, oh, the
1: one, oh, the, the one we forgot was, was Adams. Nobody mentioned Adams. Yeah, I was about, I, to, I I was so, about I to say, I feel like it was yeah. so overdone. Like I didn't put him on mine. Cause I was like, eh, either you guys will hit Adams or everybody's heard how big Adams moves been. Right. So it's not even like, exactly. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was massive though. Right. I think mm-hmm. Tyler Adams profile after this world cup, he actually might've been the biggest mover in terms of just like, I feel like you saw so much love from, you know, outside of the USMNT community. just the Yes, other the Leeds
0: places. fans yeah. love him. It's they crazy. Like
1: Leeds yeah. fans lo- fell in love with him. And I feel like this World Cup, like a lot of other people fell in love with him. You know, like a lot of people who maybe hadn't watched Leeds much or don't watch the EPL much were like, you know, some, some Italian fans and Spanish fans. And like they're like, Ad- Adams is pretty darn good at what he does, huh? So I feel like he, uh, at the same time, though, I don't know if we're going to talk about this at all, I feel like he's in such a good spot. Like I, I don't want to see him, you know, I was in a couple arguments on Twitter about this. Like I, even if Liverpool comes calling or like, I want him to stay at Leeds for at least another season. Yeah. I just, yeah. I, I agree. just think you've seen in a very short period of time, what being at the right level with the right love from the club and love from the manager, love from the fan base, honestly, ability to make mistakes and not just get crushed and have everyone around you say, well, time to go to the bench. Like Adams has made mistakes this year, but the fan base loves him. And yeah, it's
0: not gonna, like Leipzig anymore. It's, it's yeah, a different, exactly. different give him a animal. Little,
1: a little, give him a little grace, you know, and like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, you know, who needs that in our pool? Christian Pulisic needs that
0: man. Like he needs yeah, to be in a place. God, at,
1: maybe it's not Leeds, but like he needs to be in a place where he's loved and he's invested in and everybody, he's the guy and people, you know, love having him there. Um, I just, I don't, I think you don't mess with happiness and you don't mess with a place where you're growing. And sure, at some point Tyler Adams might hit his ceiling at Leeds and need to move somewhere else. Cool. I just don't think it's the winter window. I don't even think it's the summer window.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's totally reasonable and and I think he's he's well on his way to the captain track in my opinion for not just national team but also club. Mhm. Mhm. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, those, those were all good. And I th- yeah, I was, it was important that we touched on him. So, uh, so good, good catch, Adam. But, uh, but yeah. So wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We'll move on to biggest realizations and Blake, I want to start with you. What were your biggest USMNT World Cup tournament realizations? Ah, feels like such a loaded question, Trevor. So I'll go with
2: two I'll go with a positive and a negative. Um, first, the positive is that I think this core and this team has it in them to live up to all the hype in 2026. I really do. And, you know, I think we can go back and forth. Um, you know, the whole community can go back and forth on what this World Cup meant, what were the good things, what were the bad things, like you know, obviously you want to go far in this tournament. That's the goal of it, of course. But I think the tournament was a success in my mind, especially with all the negativity coming in Um, after those games against Japan and Saudi Arabia and the friendlies in the fall. I think this team showed up. We got out of the group and, you know, no matter what all the Mexico fans and Canada fans are saying about how it was an easy group and everything and, you know, say what you want about the FIFA rankings. But I think, I think you know, we got over some good teams to get there. Um, mm-hmm. I really do think that. I think Iran um is a solid team. And you know, they made us work for that win. Gosh, they made us all
0: sweat bullets at the end, didn't they? Oh, uh, that, that US that CCV challenge, bro. I, oh my gosh. <laughs> my heart dropped quicker than the Iranian striker. Oh, yeah. I was looking
2: at my Fitbit. My heartbeat was just going like off the rails. <laughs> like and yeah, you know, Wales didn't have that strong of a showing this World Cup, but still, I think they're a solid team with solid talent. So I think getting out of the group was a success. And of course, taking that draw against England, I think was really good, big in terms of the overall visibility and uh, moniker of the program. And I think, you know, sort of going along that, what we were just talking about, guys, you know, there's so many guys, each of us, you know, listed two people, um, that's half the the starting lineup yeah. of like big movers. And, you know, honestly, I think you could even, um, I, I wouldn't say they're the biggest movers, but, you know, in his limited time. Cameron Carter Vickers played well, mm-hmm. uh, Christian Pulisic, I, you know, he's the guy we expect, but he had a really good tournament with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the goal and two assists contribution and all the goals so i think you can say positives like you were saying sort of trevor you can really pick out a lot of positives so i think with their age um and with everyone being in their prime i think this team has it in them to really take a big step uh in 2026 and live up to the hype that we sort of have um around them on home soil and uh real quick before i turn it back over my second uh big realization Guys, you know, I want to give Greg his props because he got us to the group. He got us to the knockout stage, but watching that game against the Netherlands and, you know, I know I'm sure y'all will touch on it too with the contract negotiations coming up. I just, it almost sort of feels like tactically that's sort of his max, you know, I don't know how, you know, with the talent we have, maybe the talent can outlast that and, you know sort of go past that and push us forward beyond this. But just watching that game against the Netherlands guys, I, I don't know. I, I would sort of like to see a change, I think, uh, in the head honcho. So I'll turn it over to y'all.
1: Yeah, Adam, go ahead. Yeah, no, Blake, I think, you know, just to touch on your last point real quick, because that, that's the hot button issue, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about it. Yeah, like, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? Is like when we look at this team, you know, uh, every, and now everything's projection, right? At this point, mm-hmm. you have to project out, okay, what do we know about, you know, Greg? What do we see? What kind of growth did we see? We saw awesome growth in certain areas, right? Mm-hmm. We saw, I think, stagnation in other areas. And for for me, at the end of the day, right, like you can blame the final third issues on the players. You can blame it on the coach. And there's probably some blame to go around both ways, right? Maybe our, mm-hmm. you know, our guys aren't the most clinical right now. And, you know, no, we don't also don't have the best you know, patterns of play and tactics. When I watch, at least, we don't seem to have a ton of great ideas and and movement patterns that lead to us getting the ball into certain places. But then somebody else can argue, well, our guys don't make the final pass, or they, you know, botch it. And both of those are fair. Mm -hmm. But there is no denying that we are just not ruthless in the final third. And we're not clinical in the final third. And we Mm -hmm. sometimes lack ideas in the final third, especially when it's not you know, numbered break situations, but unfortunately, it's even when we're in number break situation sometimes. So, to me, that's the downside. It's like, okay, clearly the team didn't reach its max in the final third, and unfortunately, as great as we were defensively and as great as we were set up, I think tactically in, in certain areas, we didn't. We never saw that, in my opinion, other than against poor opponents, really. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. and I don't know if I ever saw the team for multiple games where I was like, yes, we're really starting to do things offensively, it, it always came in spurts for me. So that's my biggest reason is it's just like, I think the team needs some fresh offensive ideas and there's some risks there, right? If you're going to, you know, bring in a new guy, maybe he loses some of the defensive solidity that we've had. Right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there's, there's a ton of risk, but to mm-hmm. me, it's a risk worth taking. This is a, you know, this is a big moment in us soccer history. And I think we need to take a swing, right? Like I, I don't mm-hmm. think, we should bunt the runner over, which to me is what Greg feels like. You know, it's like yeah. it's kind of a safe play that maybe you'll get us there. But when I look at the upside of, of Berhalter, a Halter, a Burhalter, you know, second cycle tenure, I don't see it. I just don't see the upside. You know, it mm-hmm. feels very flat to me. It feels like it's going to go very flat and stagnate. And then we're going to replace him two years in and it's going to be like, gosh, I wish I had those two years back to give, you know, Someone else two years to build this thing, so that's kind of where I stand on that. But you know, Trevor, your 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 um your your original question, I you know, I have two answers to it. I think one is going to hit very close to Blake, right? Like we, the big question mark coming in is this group overhyped? Are they about it? Are they good enough? Mm-hmm. Right? Like I, I agree, Blake. I think they answer the question. There's nobody that watched our team and said eh, that's an overhyped group. Everybody, I think watches that team and goes wow there's something there you know now it's not quite polished and finished like I just said we didn't really get it done in the final third fully but we played a brand of soccer that I've never seen a U.S. team play on the world stage which was really cool and so that's a revelation to me you know like man like we can outplay England in a world cup like You know, Mm -hmm. I think we probably all watched 2010 like we did not outplay England like England outplayed (laughs) us and the goalie dropped a ball and we tied them, you know, like it was a classic old school USMNT tie. (laughs) And this wasn't this was like Mexico away this year where it's like
0: we outplayed those guys. And yes, we had opportunities, but we didn't like we didn't put it
1: home and we couldn't get the goal. So that was a revelation to me, where it's like uh, you know we can do it. And when I think forward, I'm like, gosh, you've got none of our guys in their prime. All of our best players entering their prime. The the core group is going to be, you know, absolute prime time. You know, mid to late 20s, right? You're going to have other guys like Musa and 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 Reina are going to be 23. Like (laughs) they're not even going to, you know, they're going to be where you know our older guys are now. And then you're going to have, I think, a whole group. Of of the next wave of talent, some of those guys are going to turn into twenty to twenty two year olds who can give us more depth. Right, depth has been a big question, and I just mm-hmm. think that's going to come from the development of some of these young guys that are about to head to Europe or in Europe right now and are going to develop in the next three years. And they're going to become good, right? And I don't mm-hmm. know what names are going to become good. That's we can all sit here and, and project and you know this conjecture, but they will. There's enough talent that some of them will be good. So really cool to have the revelation that I think we can compete for the 2026 world cup winning it obviously is an outside chance, but we can compete. I think we're going to be good enough to compete with anyone and not in the way that we did this world cup. I think it's going to be one level up. So excited about that. My second revelation, and this is a short one. I don't think you can be a full-time pressing team and expect to make a deep run in the world cup. Right. I, and I don't know if that's a Interesting. revelation
0: or, or a
1: confirmation yeah. already something I already believed, but mm-hmm. Look at the teams, man. Like nobody's pressing in the way that we're pressing. Look at the the teams in the quarters. Like, yeah, some teams press occasionally, but to create chances, yeah, it's periodic it's,
0: though, yeah,
1: yeah, like and to be as competitive as we were, we had to send our guys all out all game. And I don't even care if you have more depth, if you're going at the level our guys had to go it's just going to run out you know like it's just it's such a t- such tight windows and so unless you're going to have brazil's depth and you can rotate without losing much which we're never going to be like that i don't think we can press we can't be a full-time pressing team we can press but it can't be like what we do we need to hang our hat on some different things next world cup
0: yeah yeah no i uh, I, I totally agree i think that um that that's that's a good uh revelation and i also think that would speak to why Jesse Marsh may not be the right pick. And I'm not saying that for sure, but he shoehorns us. I agree, Trevor. I agree. He shoehorns us into a press style that may not work. So, yeah, that's, uh, I I agree on that. And then tactical
1: tactical flexibility, you know, like, Mm -hmm. that's to me what Greg lacked sometimes was tactical flexibility. It's what, you know, look at what Louis Van Hall just did to us. Like he he yeah. ran a totally different tactical system than they've Ooh. ever done because it's what he felt like would throw us off. Right. He he went away from his system, quote unquote. Right. And, you know, is he's willing to play three in the back and not play the prettiest soccer for Netherlands. Like he's doing all kinds of different things and he's just one example. Right. But like Marsh, no tactical flexibility from what I've seen. No. Like, no. He's no. a one way kind of guy. And that one way I don't think is the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I tend to agree. Um, I think it works in the prem where things are a little bit faster paced. And if you get the right players in your system, I don't think it works on a national team level. But we'll just have to see what the what the what the plan is from the USSF. But uh, but yeah, so I think that those were good. Um, And then the last thing we're going to talk about is because I think this is important, too. I want each of us to give one guy that missed the plane to Qatar that would have had an impact. Mm. And I will let you go first, Adam, because I want to hear yours before we take it.
1: Gosh, it's a tough question. You know, I think for a while I was on the John Brooks train, but Reem was just so good that I don't actually believe John Brooks would have been that good. Right. So he's out for me. I, you know, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to give you two here. I, I think that I think that Jordan Pifak could have potentially been the poacher that we needed late in games when mm-hmm. we were searching for goals and we ran out of offensive ideas. And a lot of what we did ended up being crosses into the box, which is kind of what happens with this team late, especially late in games. And I just think he's the most impactful poacher. And I know he's not in good form but we neither is Timmy way right like it's just we got to understand that club form just doesn't translate to national team take the talent club form doesn't really matter very much des not in good club form right we can go across the board all these guys aren't in good good club form and they just had great world cups you know mm-hmm. so i would have gone with fock. i just think he he's he's very unique in our pool and he's the best guy at what he does i'm not even a big pfach guy I, I wouldn't shout for him to start but i just think we needed somebody late in games and we just haji isn't that you know and and Listen, God love his, uh, I don't know, outside of the boot over his head, heel flick goal. But you know, I, don't, I
0: don't
1: know how many times we're repeating that one. So, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So exactly. PFOC's P- P- my one guy that I just felt like situationally we were missing, um, mm-hmm. even over Pepe. And I, I like Pepe, but I, I think P- Fox probably brings a little bit more to the table in terms of a, a specialist. And then mm-hmm. my second one is Joe Scallion. I know he was on the plane. I know he was there. But I say that because I just think he should have played. Uh, I just. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would have gone with the highest upside guy, you know, and I more just didn't bring much to the table. And yeah, then was fine in his appearances. But Scally's the guy that, you know, could have given you a plus in those spots. And listen, I know we were trying to get the points. We went with the most solid guy we went with the lowest risk option. Um, but I really feel like Scally would have been ready. And I feel like he showed that in his last performance with us. And I think he would have brought some juice and potentially given us something at the end of that Wales game that we didn't have
0: yeah yeah agreed I think yeah. he would have been really good and brought some yeah some of that youth that we really needed um Blake who would you uh who's your one guy yeah I think those are fantastic picks Adam and
2: um I'll go quick here I know we're running out of time Trevor but um
0: <laughs> no, you're good, bro.
2: yeah so like I'll give two super quick um I know Adam mentioned him I think you know I think Ricardo Pepe would, would have been nice to have there um but I think Adam made a great point with Fox too just another guy up up top to uh maybe try to throw in the ring to uh get sort of that cutthroat finishing that we sort of need, really need but at this in, point. In,
1: well, in, in the knockout game, Blake, you actually might be right, right? Like yeah, yeah. we couldn't play sergeant, I don't think Pifak or Haji are the guys starting. Yeah. First. So you're right. Like we only had Jesus and, you know, I I, I like Jesus Ferreira, but I just didn't think he was going to be World Cup ready. And I, I think I probably was proven right. So I mm. think you're right on Pepe in that game.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yep. No, for I appreciate it. Yeah. And then, um, maybe Georgie Mihailovich
0: for some more creativity. Okay. But those are my right. two guys. But yeah, I'll throw it to you, Trevor. Yeah. So, uh, for Georgie, I find that interesting because we had Luka and he didn't even play at all. That's a good so. point, too. <laughs> That's a good point, too. <laughs> I don't
2: know. He would man. have been a good
0: one as well to, to throw in there. Yes, he you, yes, you would have. Uh, so the one it's that I'll like bring scally. up, yeah, the one I'll bring up defensively is, um, I think Mark McKenzie would have been a good option to just have, uh, whether it's off the bench or not. Um, You know, Look, I I understand that he's had some poor performances and some good performances, but I think all in all, when you look at his body of work, he's a pretty good center back, and he would have been an interesting option to at least consider for some of our games uh, to pair well with uh, Tim Ream. So I I think he would have been one that uh, you'll never know. But uh, he, you know, he he could have been a positive influence, and I'm interested to see how he does this season with uh, with Genk for the rest of it. But
1: yep. Blake, I like you know your Georgie pick. It'll always go down to me as just like the lost midfield depth. I just don't think we invested enough in a bunch of young guys to figure out who could give us more midfield depth, and then I think we didn't trust anyone because really not a lot of guys got a chance. So I don't know that that'll always be a what if for me from this uh, cycle.
0: Yeah. Yeah, agreed, agreed. But uh we'll yeah, we'll we'll just uh we'll just have to see what we come out with in January. Well, probably not January. That'll be the MLS guys, but um yeah, for for Gold Cup, you know, just, just be interesting to see uh see who we trot out there. But regardless um yeah, I think that'll about do it for for our show today. We are running out of time. I need to upgrade into the uh the, the Zoom <laughs> premium. I'm not there yet. <laughs> But uh, but thanks for coming on, Adam. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, thanks, guys. It was a blast. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll we'll have you back on at some point as well to just kind of keep talking because you uh you definitely know your stuff. Um, I'm down.
1: I'm down, man. Anytime you need it, I'm always down to talk soccer. So
0: hey, perfect, perfect. All right, well, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, as always, keep vibing.